0: All right, good afternoon. You're in for a fun one today. It's my year in review and predicting the future. I went back and looked at last year's year in review and predicting the future, and I got about half right uh, last year. Uh, I thought that COVID was gonna be over and we'd never be talking about it ever again. Um, Was wrong on that one, so still a topic uh all right so today what are we going to talk about i'm going to talk about first uh things that happened last year what what were the trends what were the big takeaways what's the big changes in new jersey workers compensation law and then i'm going to spend a couple minutes talking about my predictions for 2022 and we'll see if my predictions uh this year are better than last year um chat is open so if you've got a question please type it in to me Uh, if you've got a prediction. Please put it in there and I will read everything out loud, Uh, the questions and the predictions. I will not say your name, though, so don't worry. Uh, I will uh, uh, not say your name to protect the innocent. Uh, But if you have a prediction, I'd love to hear it uh, for 2022. So um, we got to talk a little bit about COVID. That's uh, our look back. Uh, We got to get that one out of the way. Uh, I'm going to talk about New Jersey's preferences law. That's an employment hiring preferences law that uh, is impacted by the, uh, that impacts our workers compensation uh, cases. Uh, That's something that um, changed in October of 2021. I'm going to talk a little bit about the new law change uh, and the case law that developed last year on going and coming cases. Those are parking lot injury cases. Uh, And then I'm going to talk about our hearing schedules and what's going on with courts opening, reopening, not reopening. So I'm going to talk about those big four trends that I saw uh, last year. Then I'm going to jump into my predictions for 2022, and I'm going to give you my predictions about whether or not courts are going to reopen and what that means for our clients. I'm going to talk about um, medical provider claims and what I think is on the horizon for those medical provider claims. And I'm going to talk about the impact of the Secondary Payer Act reference guide changes and how that's going to impact uh, settlement of our New Jersey workers cop cases. So let's dive in and okay, I got to get COVID out of the way first. So uh, I'm gonna just say this very quickly. Um, look, it's still a thing. We're still seeing COVID claims. I, I predicted last year that these were gonna taper down to nothing despite the fact that New Jersey has a carve out in its statute, which uh, f- states that uh, there's a presumption of compensability. Uh, Two weeks ago, our lovely governor, Governor uh, Murphy, extended the Emergency uh, Orders Act, which means that that preference or sorry, that presumption is still in place uh, for COVID cases in New Jersey. Um, That presumption will stay in place as long as the emergency uh, uh, orders are in place. And hey, it's been two years of emergency orders. I don't see them uh, changing that right? They, they, they've they kept these things in place, despite the fact that the legislature is, is meeting and they're meeting via Zoom, by the way, uh, but they've kept these emergency orders in place. So let's just get that COVID stuff out of the way first. Next, let's talk about the preferences law. Uh, this changed in October of 2021. And this is a new law that said where the employer is still hiring, you've got to give a preference uh, for uh, a workers' comp disabled employee, somebody with Uh, a reduced ability to work, somebody that's gonna need permanent accommodations. Now, we were worried about this when it came out in October, but I think it's been kind of a big nothing burger for our clients, and the reason for that is the impact uh, is first for only certain employers, uh, and it only applies to disabled employees. It's essentially always already been redundant. I mean, these people, uh, disabled employees, are already protected by Section 95 of New Jersey's Act. There doesn't appear to be any enforcement provision and in the last three months, we certainly have not seen any enforcement. Um, now, uh, how you should comply with this, uh, again, you don't have to create a new job. It doesn't require removal of a currently employed person from any specific existing position and then replacement of them with a permanently partially disabled employee. That, that Those things are not uh, required. And again, uh, there are no, oops, somehow I jumped all the way to the end. I went to slide 16 of 16 whoopsie do hold on let me go all the way back okay mistakes happen sometimes okay impact for employers still left where we were we're still talking about the um uh the preference the employment preference hiring act how do you apply you don't have to create a new job i just said that you don't have to remove an existing em- employee and again there's no reporting or enforcement provision so what are we really seeing at the time of mmi so this is your temporarily partially disabled employee has now been found to have a permanent medical restriction. That's the opportunity to allow them to apply for any uh, unfilled role. And that's really the best way to comply with this act. Now, there are risks for trying to comply. We don't know if you don't have a job open or available for them at the time of MI, how long you're supposed to be uh, trying to fill this position for them. So we don't know how long this preference lasts. Um, My advice to clients this year has been, look, Uh, Now that this new preference has been created by this new law, I think you should consider separation of your employees at the time you're settling that workers' compensation case, uh, forecloses that need to hire them back or to provide them with that hiring preference. And a lot of our employees, our clients have said things like, wait, Greg, doesn't that seem like it's the opposite outcome that the law is intending? to obtain? And the answer is yes. Unfortunately, I think this is gonna lead to more separations of employees from positions uh, so that we can avoid having to comply with the Employee Preference Act. Um, I'm very happy to give advice about that on a one-to-one or individual basis. I've got some employers that say, Greg, I don't wanna separate people uh, at the time they've reached MMI or at the time of settlement because they have a very specific and useful skill set. I really want them to reattach to my employment. That's great. Uh, you could still do that and and again you can uh, guide uh, them back it's going to require some coordination between your human resources department and your workers compensation uh, risk professional to make sure that that's done correctly and again we're happy to help uh, talk about that all right next thing uh, next big change and it just changed so this is a a really uh, great opportunity to talk about it the going and coming rule we all know that injuries that occur on your way to work so your normal commute or your way home from work are not compensable right that's not workers compensation you're in your normal commute you're going to your normal workplace uh so if you get injured there that's got nothing to do with your employment it's nothing specific or unique about that trip it's not extraordinary everybody has a commute right so those those are generally not uh compensable now generally speaking parking lots have been a place for a lot of litigation around this and the long standing rule in new jersey is if the employer owns maintains or directs the employees where to park in the parking lot, then any injuries that occur to that employee in that parking lot, which again is owned, maintained, or where the employee is directed where to park, are compensable. And most states have a rule like that. In fact, every state of practice in has a rule that says, generally speaking, in, unless the employer tells you where to park or owns the parking lot or maintains it, and that means snow removal, leaf removal, that kind of thing, uh, the employer is safe, you, you don't have to worry about it. But, Uh, New Jersey had a very interesting case that came out and was decided by the Appellate Division in February of 2021. Uh, This is a public employer that had an employee leave work at the end of the day, and they were traveling through the employer's owned parking lot to go uh, be picked up by their uh, husband. The husband was picking up the wife. Uh, There was snow removal process going on at the time, and uh, one of the snow removal vehicles uh, hit Uh, This woman who was leaving her employment, she was walking through not the parking lot directly outside of her employment, but another parking lot next door, but also owned by the same employer. This case went up to the appellate division. The appellate division said, well, they're really this is not a compensable injury because um, she was just traveling into another parking lot that was owned by the employer. Um, She wasn't directed to park there. Uh, She was being picked up. uh, And so they found this not to be compensable. And then what did she do? Well, she sued the employer in civil court and got a huge award, right? So in uh, the, the legislature proposed a new bill and it was just signed on uh, January 10th. This new bill says that if the employer provides or designates a place to park, then any injuries coming and going in and out of that parking lot are gonna be compensable. And really just means if the employer owns the parking lot. Uh, and so this this new statute was designed to defeat the new case law that came out in 2021. And it was just signed into law on January 10th. So last or two weeks ago, it was just signed into law. And so this is a big change. Uh, and this is gonna have an impact on employers. Now, whether or not you direct them where to park, whether or not they, they have any business in the parking lot or even have a car in the parking lot, the fact that you have a parking lot that you own, uh, that's gonna be enough to find all of those parking lot injuries compensable. So that's a big change. Uh, for New Jersey. And that's really a big departure from some other states. All right, let's get into some predictions because uh, we've gone through everything that's happened in the past, kind of summed up the year. Let's look at what's happening next. Okay, so here's my predictions about courts reopening. No, I don't see it happening. I think everybody's very happy uh, working from home. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, the court system in New Jersey has not Um, and I'm talking about the workers' compensation courts, just to be clear, has not settled on one specific way uh, for court proceedings to take place. Uh, There are regulations, okay, these are the rules of court that say that the judge has to call a list every morning. Uh, There's also memos and guidance from the director, the chief judge in prior years that say they have to call the list at 9 a.m., all these things. Uh, That's all gone by the wayside, and for the last two years that we have not seen a list being called, we're not seeing court proceedings, and each judge is sort of deciding on their own how they're going to hold court proceedings. We have some judges who are doing it telephonically, some are using Zoom, some are using GoToMeeting, some are using Microsoft Teams. Uh, Recently, the um, courts have sort of settled on Microsoft Teams as the approved way of having meetings uh, with the judge of compensation, Uh, but there are different uh, requirements and rules, and again, it varies judge by judge. Do they wanna get an email in advance requesting a hearing? Do they wanna get markings in advance? How many days in advance? So we've been sort of navigating this for the last couple of years. And what we've decided is, well, we don't think it's gonna ever go back to the way it was. And so we've completely realigned our practice. Our New Jersey practice is now no longer aligned um, by uh, court uh, proceeding or where the uh, court is listed. And that's a big change from the past. Uh, In the past, we used to have attorneys and I'd say, I, I'm the New Brunswick attorney. And for something like 15 years, I would go to New Brunswick and that was the, the place that I would go to have my proceedings. And if you were my client and you had a proceeding in New Brunswick, well, I would handle the New Brunswick cases, And my partner, Joe Jones, uh, would handle the Hackensack cases. And so if the case was in Hackensack, even if it's the same client, uh, he would attend those proceedings. Uh, we've changed our practice and we're handling everything differently now. So now we're handling it client by client. And if you're my client, client A, I'm gonna handle your cases in the entire state in all courthouses and all proceedings because they're happening virtually anyway, so why not do it that way? It's taken a lot of time and effort for us to sort of realign our practice in New Jersey that way. We're seeing a huge benefit for clients. Uh, For clients, you only have one attorney and one paralegal who are assigned to all of your matters, regardless of where those matters are listed in court. That's a real benefit to you just keeping it straight. Hey, who's my attorney in this case? Well, it's only gonna be one attorney and one paralegal. So we think that's very straight and consistent. Uh, It's also consistent for our adversaries who now realize, hey, it's not going to, we're not going to have two or three in in our New Jersey department. We have four full-time attorneys uh, defending our clients. Now uh, it's very clear to them uh, who's the attorney representing carrier A, carrier B, self-insured A, self-insured B, okay? Um, So we're handling things very differently. We're uh, handling things by uh, attorney and by client and not by hearing point. We're the only practice in the state of New Jersey that we reorganized or realigned in that way, and we're seeing a huge benefit to clients. So if that's something that's interesting to you, I'm I'm happy to talk about that. I don't see that ever going back uh, to the way it was uh, where proceedings were primarily in person. Uh, Proceedings now um, are primarily remotely. Uh, You have to request special permission to go to court we really haven't had any reason to do that because we're putting through settlements. We're even trying cases. In fact, we're trying cases right now with pro se claimants, uh, pro se petitioners uh, that are all occurring remotely. And so this has been a huge benefit for clients. And I think this is something that's going to continue. So my prediction is we're not going back to court in New Jersey, not in 2022. All right, next one, medical provider claims. Um, medical provider claims really are impacting particularly our carrier clients. Uh, we're, in particular, our clients that are writing business in more than one state, where we're seeing New York claimants travel into New Jersey to get medical treatment in New Jersey, uh, and they're doing that really at the request of the doctors so they can avoid medical fee schedule. Medical provider claims have continued to grow. Although filings of them are slightly down this year, they are still roughly one in five claims in New Jersey. In our office, we have a tremendous number of medical provider claims, which are cross-jurisdictional generally arising out of either a Connecticut or a New York or a a Pennsylvania workers cop case where the person came into New Jersey and got medical care in New Jersey, and we're defending literally hundreds of them. Um, This year, we're really going to be pushing on the judges to dismiss and, and grant the motions to dismiss that we filed in those medical provider cases that are extraterritorial or extra jurisdictional. And we have got motions to dismiss based on the lack of jurisdiction in the New Jersey Workers' Comp Court. Unfortunately, there just aren't a lot of judges in uh, our New Jersey court system that are willing to um, sort of handle these cases or, or address them. They just keep adjourning them and adjourning them and they just seem to pile up. Uh, so we're gonna do something this year uh, pretty dramatic Uh, And I think we might have to require going to the Superior Court for an order to show cause to require the judges of compensation to address extraterritorial medical provider claims. So this one's a prediction I can feel pretty confident about making it because it's probably going to be my office. It's probably going to be me uh, going up to the appellate division, trying to force the Department of Labor to address the huge backlog, tens of thousands of medical provider claims that are currently in the New Jersey system. All right. Uh, Prediction number three the CMS reference guide changes are going to impact settlement in New Jersey. So on January 10th, um, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services changed some language in its uh, Medicare Set-Aside Reference Guide. Uh, Last week, I did a lengthy presentation about the impact of this for all jurisdictions, whether you're Connecticut or New York, New Jersey, doesn't matter. Uh, When Medicare changes something about the way they're going to enforce or apply the Medicare as Secondary Payer Act, it's going to impact every single settlement in every jurisdiction. And for those clients that are listening right now and that are national, this is going to affect you in all states. Now, we're telling clients that we can still do an evidence-based set-aside allocation. We can still do a non-submit. Those are still possible. We're just letting clients know that Medicare has started to signal that they're not going to give those types of settlements or those types of allocations, I should say, the same type of credence um, and the same type of deference that they are giving to evidence-based submissions and uh, submitted set-asides. And those are set-asides that are pre-approved. So uh, we're going to talk to clients about their specific risk profile. We're going to say, hey, if if you want to do things the safest way possible, and by the way, I do think there's going to likely be changes in 2022 to the code of federal regulations which are going to codify i think some of what the center for medicare and medicaid services is demanding right now Uh, but if you want to do things the safest way possible we're going to tell clients let's use let's do the reference guide submission let's ask for pre-approval and get that set aside approved by medicare before the settlement goes through on the other end of the spectrum i'm going to have clients that are going to say greg i don't want uh, to submit and Greg, I'm happy doing a non-evidence-based, in fact, I'm happy doing one just based on legal opinion. Let's go that direction. Uh, So there's a wide spectrum amongst my clients of how they're going to sort of look at their future risk uh, for set-aside allocation uh, exposure, or compliance exposure, and we're gonna help guide clients through that. So that's my big third prediction. All right, Uh, last thing, uh, our 2022 New Jersey handbooks are done. I expect to get paper copies here in the week, next week or two. Uh, Our website is currently being updated so that you'll be able to download that soon. And I'll send everybody listening an email when our new 2022 handbooks are ready and available. All right, that's my predictions. That's my look back at 2021 and my predictions for 2022. I'm gonna come over here and see if there's any questions, comments or predictions that people have made because I'd love to see some uh, predictions. And I'm looking down at my list of people who are watching here today. I see you out there, Jim. I see you, Jackie. Uh, Hi, Michael, Ryan, Savannah, others, uh, James, uh, John, how are you, Christine, do you have any predictions for me or anything you see coming out of the pike? Uh, Nobody typed them into the comments section, so I haven't seen that yet, Uh, but if you want to send me an email or have a call about things that you think are going to impact you or impact your risk uh, for 2022, I'd be very happy to talk about that with you. Uh, It's been great talking to you guys today about New Jersey, and I hope to talk to you Uh, next month uh, about other topics. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Bye.